Non-rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! 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 What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold them with you always to the end of the age. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. You can get more at apologiastudios.com. A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, apologiastudios.com. That's where you guys can go to get all the past Radio shows, podcast episodes, hundreds of them. Uh, we think that will be a real blessing to your life and to your walk with the Lord. We also have provoked and sheologians and cultish and all kinds of stuff there. So if you go to apologiastudios.com, enjoy yourself. And um, also you can sign up for all access. When you sign up for all access, you make everything we do possible. So if you guys see on the street evangelism this blessing, you guys, if you see the theological teaching, the lectures, the sermon series, anything you're seeing at Apologia Studios platforms, that's made possible because we have partners in ministry just like you who do this ministry with us and make everything possible. So all glory to God, another day that the Lord has made. Here we go. You ready? That's Joy the Girl. Hello. That's Luke the Bear right there. I'm Jeff. They call me the Ninja, and we're ready to get it going. Just want to say briefly, make sure... If you don't have the all access, you still go to apologiastudios.com. Sign up for Bonson. You, yeah. huh. we're, doing a lot. we're doing a lot of Bonsons today. Huh. Sign up for Bonson. Huh. You at apologiastudios.com. It's a gift to Apologia Church from the Bonson family. We have one of the greatest blessings, and that is that we have the life treasury, the teaching of Dr. Greg Bonson, one of the greatest apologists and philosophers in the history of the Christian church. He left a deposit for the church, an amazing deposit of lectures, seminary classes, sermons. We even have video that's underway right now. We are polishing up this stuff. There's because not a lot of that. I was going to say, I didn't even know. Didn't know that? that? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's like 2000 pieces of content. So what we've been doing since David gave it to us is we've been actually polishing the audio. We've been remastering right. it each one. And we're doing that also with the video content. So if you haven't been there for a while, just know like more and more stuff is coming constantly after it gets polished and, 
it gets it gets remastered. We put it up and we put it up in the the coursework that it's in. And so you've got seminary level uh, classes on philosophy and apologetics. You've got stuff in there on the law of God, and you have stuff in there on economics. I mean, you the, it's a comprehensive uh, uh, study through the Christian worldview. And so if you haven't gone yet, it is free. And I have to say this, and you've heard me say it before, it shouldn't be. <laughs> it should not be. No. Uh, because this is, I mean, it's a gift. It, it is uh, his life work. It is some of the greatest Christian teaching and most rigorous uh, stuff you can go through. So if you're just the average person who wants to grow in your knowledge of church history, philosophy, apologetics, theology proper... Um, uh, different books of the Bible. I mean, it is it's it's for you. So get your get your free account and and go to work. If you have Bible studies, if you are a person who wants to pursue uh, vocational ministry, I mean, this is a free seminary, like high level seminary education uh, at Bonson U at ApologiaStudios.com. So you don't need to uproot your family and go away somewhere and uh, and to, to to learn and invest. You can just simply no student loans. No student loans. You don't even have to be forgiven. Of student loans because they'll never happen in the first place. It's all free, and oh, uh, and and just to say also real fast, um, uh, it's it's free. It's Bonson U is free. That was what David wanted to take place. He wanted it to be available to the world for free. And uh, but just so you know, also big big shout out to all of our all access partners because while it's free to the user, it does still cost uh, money for us to every time someone clicks, we're we're paying for that. And well, so and to clean it up and to clean it up just because it's it, older stuff. I didn't even realize we had video did we just have david like reenact them yeah we could like what the, the like, videos like, all, like, or all of them we yeah. could just have him like mouth the words mouth it, well he was there no so. one would know the difference <laughs> he was there and he looks just like him so <laughs> it's just... yeah yeah so uh so i just wanted to throw that out to you guys if you haven't done it yet you got to do it because i mean guys this stuff is just coming more and more i think we're almost done uh, it, actually remastering all that stuff. And so it is just going to be amazing. And we're constantly improving the system so that it's, it's easy to access and to navigate like different courses. And we have some really special things that we're doing with it. Uh, we're thinking about transcripts for the classes. We're thinking about all kinds of things uh, so that you can do it in, in a way that just is, is going to help you to, to stay disciplined and committed to it and that you're learning. Uh, we think that Dr. Greg Bonson is one of the greatest gifts to the church in the history of the church. And we think that his teachings will actually transform the world. And so that's why we're invested in it. And so go and get your Bonson U account. It is totally and absolutely free. And uh, real quick, uh, before we pull David Bonson on, the son yeah, of Dr. Say, Greg Bonson. I bet this guy feels the same way. That's right. We're going to uh, have uh, Luke run something by you guys. Uh, David, you're not looking for a job, are you? Uh, not at this time. Okay, I'm good. Because yeah. <laughs> our friends at, uh, at uh, the Armored Republic are hiring. That's why I was asking. Um, uh, the famous first battles of the American War for Independence, the battles of Lexington and Concord, have an important piece of history behind them. They were fought to resist the British taking away guns and ammunition from Americans living in those areas. Sounds like a familiar fight mm. we've had recently, uh, or maybe are still having. Yeah. Firearms are the first and primary tool of liberty, but a growing number of freemen are realizing that firemen, firemen <laughs> firearms are only the beginning. Firemen are only the beginning. <laughs> That's right. The next most important tool of liberty is body armor, a defensive tool of liberty to match the offensive cap capabilities of guns. This is where Armored Republic comes in. Armored Republic equips the free men of America with the tools of liberty that are necessary to defend their God-given rights and to honor, or to the honor of Christ the King. But we need your help. The Armored Republic is hiring for some good stewards in this time of massive growth to join the mission 
check out the careers page on our website at ar500armor.com backslash careers. So if you're interested, David, check it out. If you need some extra work. Yep. If you want a good side hustle. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, last, actually. Last time he asked, it was Zach and I, and he was like, are you guys looking for jobs? But they, didn't I was like, they didn't know why. I was, was like, what? Like, why do we wait to? We're going to announce this on the show today. It's all going away. Uh, hey, just also heads up quick. Um, there is a great uh, audio uh, at Bonson U. I believe it's up by now. Uh, it is Dr. Greg Bonson debating the gun control debate. Oh, that's With excellent. like a, 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 yeah. a liberal, I think, PCUSA um, uh, dude. And, and I don't uh, think he was even homosexual either. Look, 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 Greg Bonson is just like rigorous and never leaves a stone unturned sort of a thing. And all of his debates are just fantastic. But that one is special. It's really special because the guy also has like this southern draw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, now, now, well, the people uh, who love the neighbor <laughs> don't, 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 don't need the bullets. You, <laughs> you see? It's like that. I mean, it's like, it really is. And, and, I thought you meant like he's a like southern a foghorn. No, and, southern and, draw like this. And, and Greg just lays, <laughs> Greg lays the smack down on this guy with scripture and just, it, it's fantastic. It really is fantastic. So if you like the gun control debate, you can't do, do better than Dr. Greg Bonson in that gun control debate. Say so, when. Which brings us to Bonson, 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 David. Bonson, the son of Dr. Greg Bonson, um, he is a, a blessing. I mean, a huge blessing. And I'll show you what I mean by that as we pull him on. I know we're, uh, we're taking a while to get him on, but I wanted you to, to get to know him. Uh, this is, oh, this just got dropped, August 23rd, 2022. You may recognize David, uh, David Bonson from uh, his many appearances on um, national media, Fox News, Fox Business. Here is a recent example. I saw your, your piece titled uh, Against Doomdayism. Why did you feel compelled to write that? Why do we need to hear that right now? Yeah, I added a segment to my daily market commentary. So inside the dctoday.com, there's a piece called Against Doomsdayism. And I'll tell you why I had to do it, because too many people have adopted the religion of doomsdayism, both left and right. I happen to be a movement conservative guy, but I hear too much pessimism and doomsday talk from my friends on the right as well, Charles. The world is not ending. People use it as a sort of therapeutic medicine. It's a coping mechanism for them to feel negative all the time. It goes against the facts of history. It goes against the reality of the great blessings that God has given us that we're living in right now. And ultimately, economically, pessimism never pays. You have points in time where traders can make money being pessimistic. But long term, I want to be long humanity. I believe in the animating spirit of free enterprise and the capabilities God gave mankind to steward creation. We monetize that in a free market economy and being doomsdayist all the time is silly. All I can say is amen, brother. Thanks so much, David. Appreciate it. It sound, he, David sounds there like he was raised by like a post-millennialist or something. <laughs> something. Like a post-millennialist I mean, and talking about you know, optimism against like pessimism. Bleeding it. I like it. Fox Business talking about God and God's standards. David Bonson from the Bonson Group. Welcome to Apology Radio, brother. It's great to be back with you. And I got to say, I'm talking to some post-millennialists there, too. I know. Who, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. A, lot of pe- a lot of pessimism sometimes, even from those who ought to know better eschatologically. Right. So we know, uh, well, two points, and that's, this will lead us into the discussion, talking about economics, talking about money, talking about God and his standards, talking about the world today and culture. 
Uh, two things. Number one, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. There's a standard right there. There's prop it up. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. That means all authority. And so the goal of the gospel is to win all the nations to Christ, to baptize them and to teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded us. But he's the one with the final authority. He's what he's the one with all authority. And so that's, that's the, the, the first thing The se- the second thing is when we talk about the future of the world, we're talking about Christ putting all of his enemies under his feet. And so we have hope. We've got the one who is Lord of all. He's the one who's the center of all of revelation and all of history. He has all authority and we know where the world's going. It's going, mm-hmm. going under the feet of Jesus. Yep. And so that's that's underneath us. So there's those are our presuppositions. There's the foundations. And so David Bonson is with the Bonson group. And just quickly as we launch into the discussion, David, can you just let everyone know sort of like, what are you doing? Uh, how, what are you doing on, on Fox Business? What What do you do? Yeah, so actually the name of the business, the Bonson Group, it's not a coincidence. I started the company. And so a lot of people think maybe I just got hired by a company called the Bonson Group that happened to share my last name. And it's this really amazing thing, sort of like Lou Gehrig's disease being named after Lou Gehrig. But yeah, I um, do indeed. (laughs) I I do indeed uh, run a uh, private wealth management firm. And going on Fox Business uh, three or four times a week is for the purpose of me sharing different things I believe, sometimes about investment markets, about the economy. Uh, Oftentimes, I'm able to kind of wax and wane the way I was there with my own philosophy or or, um, theology or whatever the case may be. It's a really friendly audience that, that I found with a lot of this television media. And, and so I take advantage of it uh, as so inspired. But um, we manage money for people. We manage uh, plans. We, we work with folks at uh, the entirety of their economic needs. Uh, we have offices in five different locations, run uh, over $4 billion of client capital. And it was what God put me on earth to do. Right on. And you're good at it. I and saying, sorry, I was saying, it reminds you. me of that snl skit you sent the home goods one where he's like my name is casey home goods i earned this job by merit <laughs> by merit uh so <laughs> that was a great bit yeah snl hasn't been doing that many great bits over the last couple of years but they, we i did that find every few, once in a while a, yeah. a golden yeah, one up, mm-hmm. appears uh so well let's launch into the discussion i think because there's so much i'd like to ask i know luke would enjoy would love to as well but, but just to make sure we like lay this down at the beginning so if anyone has to take off, they know where to go afterwards. Uh, David, you've, you've recently started something that you want everyone to know about, and could you just uh, explain that real fast? Yes, I will. And before I do, I want to say something, if you don't mind, because sure. you brought up Greg Bonson, and you just brought up Saturday Night Live. And I wonder how many people listening know that Greg Bonson was the biggest Saturday Night Live fan who has ever walked the That's face hilarious. of the earth. I love him even more now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> never, was missed good, though. never missed an episode. And now he loved it back in the 70s when it was starting and into the 80s. And it had kind of a bad era in the 80s. But then in the late 80s and early 90s, which most people with a pulse know was the golden era of Saturday Night Live. So I was in high school and my dad at that time, he and I were as close as a father son could be. And it was just a few years, you know, before he he passed away. But I mean, we watched 
every episode together and he would just be in tears laughing back <laughs> with Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman and Chris Farley and yeah, and all yeah. that that era it was just hysterical awesome. that was for sure the golden oh, era for sure, yeah. yeah so for sure uh, for like sure. like you wouldn't know listening to to Dr. Greg Bonson when he's doing debates or lectures that he had just this great sense of humor and also just quickly I don't think people many people know this uh the 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 music he loved yeah. um you I would, think they may know that more because he he talked about it. Like it, I I kind of have to hold hold back a little because some folks you know in the Christian music world could get a little defensive. It isn't just that he loved the Beatles like in an encyclopedic kind of way. Um, he had a tremendous. He was a really really smart music guy. Like he knew hmm. music. He loved the Beatles. He loved the Stones. He loved Creedence Clearwater Revival. He he was from that era, the kind of you know sick, mid to late sixties was sort of his era. Um, and by the way, there's a theme here. He, you know, people generally in their cultural sensibilities migrate to what they loved in high school. Like high school is a formative part of somebody's life, yeah. culturally, musically, all those tastes and stuff. He kept with that in, until his passing. But um, it, he not only loved that. He hated Christian music. I mean, <laughs> I mean, never. There wasn't like a Christian artist he thought was okay, and then he really loved the Beatles more. He he never listened to it, and 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 you know maybe the genre got better later or something. But that was just no. how he was. No, it hasn't. It didn't get better. <laughs> no, I, have, I have a question. We're going to get into the music world, which I was not intending, and I would have loved to have had a conversation with your dad about music. Uh, I also grew up on the Beatles, and you will. There, yes, I will one yeah. day. Yes, thank you, uh, thank you. But um, the Beatles won't be there when on. you do. That's no. right. <laughs> we'll be talking yeah. about them. Not too. Hey, yeah. Paul still has a chance. Yeah, Paul imagine, still, imagine Paul still there's has a no heaven. Yeah. <laughs> well, according, isn't there, like, Ringo. Isn't Paul there a conspiracy that Paul McCartney died? Well, yeah, was, yeah a long time a long ago. Long time ago. Yeah, but um, but here here's my question. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get sidetracked too much. Because I know obviously we've done shows on Tooth and Nail and your involvement with Tooth and Nail and all that. Um, one was your dad alive still when you when you got because that would have been about the same time I'm guessing that he passed about the same time you got involved with Tooth and Nail. And so, how what is that connection there? Is 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 there a connection there with your dad raising you up, listening to good music, and getting involved with Tooth and Nail Records? Uh, how much time do I have? Oh, yes, we got, we got, I'm all day. Yeah. <laughs> go, go, wait, no. This is this is apology radio. You can feel free. Yeah, let me let me try to do like a, a really short answer. Um, Dad died in December of '95, and Brandon and I were doing. Let's see, this would have been early '94 uh, when and kind of like late '93 planning stuff. Okay. We were sitting in Brandon's bedroom, uh, living room in his little apartment in Irvine, starting Tooth and Nail. By the time, so what happened is in the summer of 94, I at the time was managing a number of bands, um, which was the business I was in before I entered um, uh, wealth management, uh, let's see, seven, seven years later. So uh, I'm trying to get all this timeline right. My dad would have been alive for two years Okay. Um, uh, after Tooth and Nail and the music stuff started. He never would have heard a single note of any of the music any of the bands played. And he would have been incredibly proud. He mm. was incredibly proud of the fact that through that enterprise, 
where I never called it a ministry. Like I said, I, I don't want to have a job because I'm doing ministry to go get kids saved at a hardcore concert. That was the that was the theology that um, I walked into, sure. and it was all it was all kind of new to me. Like I didn't really understand why people couldn't just be content that they were in a commercial enterprise that provided entertainment value. People could express what they wanted to spiritually as they saw fit, but that there was intrinsic merit in the music. So there was this sort of lack of Kyperianism in the Christian music industry. And I just wouldn't have it. I And not because I was such a bold Calvinist. Maybe I was, but I wouldn't have it because I was so naive. I couldn't, I didn't even know what people were talking about. Like, is this a profession or is it a ministry? Mm. And so that dualism, my introduction to loathing that Gnostic dualism started at age 20 as a result of the music business. And my dad was very proud of the fact that I did not capitulate to this notion of it being something that it wasn't. Um, I uh, paid, I had a few bills to pay and I paid them and he was really proud of that. Some of the people in the bands, he got to know a bit and he loved them. And some of these guys are still some of my best friends. There was a band I used to manage called Plank Eye and the yep. guys in that, that band I talk to today almost wow. every day. One of them is the CFO at the Christian high school I started. One of them is a professor of humanities. He just got his doctorate at the high school I've started. So, so there's like a group of people that have become friends for life. And my dad knew them a little bit. And again, we were all in our you know young 20s at the time. But as far as understanding the tooth and nail thing, what it would become, I honestly can't remember if dad ever met Brandon or not. I bet he did, but I, they didn't know each other well. So yeah, it was it was just kind of the timing of it. And then he died in December '95, and things like MXPX and and Plank Eye going much bigger, and eventually you know the the Supertones that all came after Dad passed away. Gotcha. So he didn't he didn't ever see any of that. Mm. That's so cool. And I would have been introduced to Tooth and Nail about '96. So to fill in that timeline so that's really cool man all right Very. sorry i just well and that's yeah, a good, I, it, that, it, so. I think it's it, there's somewhat of a good segue here to talk about uh what david is talking about in terms of uh well i'll put it this way there's a good clip up somewhere on apologia studios channel on youtube with dr andrew sandlin mm -hmm. talking about mm -hmm. one of the things the reformation yeah. highlighted was um well i would say it it contradicted this idea of this this priesthood class and that's where the spiritual right. stuff's taking right. place so if you want to do the real spiritual game if you want to be in that spiritual game you got to do that pat that priest and pastor and bishop thing it's all taking place over there in that world of the spiritual whereas everything else out here is sort of just the mundane just get through it sort of stuff whether you're an artist or a musician or whether you're a business owner or if you're in economics or whatever we'll see if god accepts that at you the know end. it's just this thing over there there's just worldly stuff but this is where the real spiritual game is over here it's in this church building with these spiritual things and one of the things that dr andrew salen brings up is um the reformation really repudiated that idea and on the basis of scripture, like, you know, God, God creates and gifts artists with the ability to do what they do. And that's worship. And if you're a business owner, you worship God in that. If you're in the area of economics, you worship God there and you do it well. And uh, like David said, there's merit in itself in, in, in what it is, because, you know, God's responsible for it. And uh, you can do that to the glory of God. And one of the things I really appreciate so much, and you guys have heard me say it before about David, is that David's in this world of economics and he is respected. 
uh, people value uh, what he has to say. But David operates uh, uh, in this world, uh, doing things to the glory of God, doing things uh, to the best of his abilities. And he has a a fundamentally Christian worldview, um, obviously. He's the son of Dr. Greg Bonson. And so um, uh, that comes out. So there's this great blessing that David is to the world in the area of economics. And that's because of his Christian presuppositions and the worldview that he holds. And he's doing really well over in that world. So where even Fox Business says, hey, we want to come here. We want you to come on to hear your opinion. Uh, right. And, and, and yeah. I, 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 I so look forward to the day when that is the predominant theme. The Christians are yeah. the leaders in their fields, and they're doing all the things the best, exactly like we did right. before with academic institutions, like we did with art, like we did with science, all the rest. So, David, you have something that you have done you want people to hear about, so go for it. Well, I appreciate those, those kind words, and, and I agree with the sentiment and the aspiration. Um, I would even localize it a bit more. You're, you're a pastor as a local church. I not only want, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of blessed. I, 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 Fox does not reach out to me to get the Christian guy on there. They reach out mm-hmm. to me because they want the finance guy. And, right. and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian who is never going to shy, shy away from that and, and where it is appropriate to kind of let those presuppositions shine through, I will do so. But, um, it, the Christian guy is generally sought after, um, despite mediocrity, mm. um, the, the, it, when they want the, the particular person of a craft and it's not related to the fact that the, of their faith, um, then it's for their craft, their skill, yeah. their, their, and, and I think that's very important. And on a local level, um, I've always said, I'll feel that marketplace theology has got to where it needs to be when businesses are calling local churches saying, Hey, we need to hire a new middle manager, we need to hire a new mm. um, such and such, and what does your church have? Because we get our best quality work out of out of the faith community. Yeah. And, and, and it can be, of course, that they want the virtue and the character and the integrity. Um, that, that would be wonderful, but, it, but I'm saying something much more than that. I want them uh, to reach out to the faith community for professional needs because of the skill, because of the technique. Yeah. There's a verse there's a verse that describes this uh Proverbs 22:29 Do you see a man skillful in his work he will stand before kings he will not stand before obscure men There you go Love that go. verse. Perfect. And you know, when, the night that President Trump retweeted me, somebody sent me that verse and I said, "Guys, I don't think I don't think that's what the verse is talking about." But... <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so so the economics class, can you talk when you talk about presuppositionalism, um, the world, the notion of worldview Christianity that you guys do so well, that that is so um, integral to your distinctives, um, this is something that's gotten a lot of lip service from Christians, including Reformed Christians, in economics. It has not gotten a lot of attention to detail. It hasn't gotten a great um currency in in the culture there is not a lot of people saying look we need some deeper economic thought uh what do these christian folks have to say i think christians are intimidated by economics and i mean christian elites and laymen that just kind of find it a little intimidating a little confusing and even outside of the faith community even the the right politically 
has largely been content to kind of have some schizophrenia intellectually. They'll, they'll mix in a few soft Keynesians with some real good supply siders with some, there's kind of like this mixed bag. And that was true in the Trump administration and the Bush administration. And even, even in uh, my beloved Ronald Reagan's administration, there hasn't always been a totally cohesive and coherent worldview around it. And, and so I'm very, very moved and called to try to see a better economic foundation take place. And it doesn't need to lead to the Secretary of Treasury or to a Federal Reserve governor, but I would love for it to. I want top-down kingdom dominion. But if it were a whole bunch of homeschool students just better understanding why we believe what we believe or what economics even really is, then I'd be far happier. And the reason I created this course and was adamant that it go out to the world for free um, was because I could not believe how bad most of what I saw that was out there. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, if it was Christianized, it was very weak. And if it wasn't Christianized, it had certain conclusions I really agree with that were just not rooted in the premises that I need them to be rooted to for it to ultimately stand on solid ground. Well, that's a good point, David. I mean, I think one of the things that we struggle with in this particular era that we're in of Christendom uh, is many people who profess the faith don't think that the Bible has anything really to say to the area of government, politics, or economics. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, why, why, how can you use Christian presuppositions? How can you use that foundation, the, the foundation of the Christian worldview, the foundations of the Christian worldview? to speak to the area of economics. So just, could you just tell us briefly, how does your course do that? Like, how, how are you using this comprehensive view of the, of the Christian worldview and, and, and all the ways it gets out into the world to talk about economics? Absolutely. I think uh, you're exactly right that people don't know how those things are rooted in Christian truths. And, then, and, and yet with um, the political realm, I think most people get their opinions about economics or a certain economic policy or position from their politics, where I would rather people get their politics from their economics, meaning what you believe about a tax cut for it or against it should be uh, uh, apolitical to some degree. It should be rooted in an economic understanding of how that's going to impact people, how it's going to impact society, how it uh, delves into social organization, the relationship between, yes, the state and the citizen, but also a whole lot of other factors. And I think that what I do is start a creation. And, and that's all I mean by presuppositionalism ever, is that all truth is created truth. And we have our favorite verses as Ventilians, but I can't even start with Psalm 36, 9 or Proverbs 1, 7 or all the great Hall of Fame of verses about truth and knowledge and worldview without Genesis 1. And, in, and the beauty of it is that not only is Genesis 1 where everything starts, but with economics, it is a specifically economic chapter. Because God, if you believe economics is the study of the human person and their allocation of scarcity, well, what is the human person? What was the human person made for? And what are we talking about scarcity, scarce resources? What does that mean? 
you know, the economics is pretty boring if we all had unlimited resources. The reason why economics mm. becomes complicated and it's and it's a fascinating subject of many dimensions is because there is plentiful amounts of certain things and real scarce amounts of other things. And that's sort of the challenge of, of humanity, if you will. But God, before sin, before the fall, God made mankind in his image. And he made mankind with dignity. And he called every single thing he made good before he made mankind, the vegetation, the animal kingdom, the mountains, the skies, the stars, it was all good. And then he made mankind last. And he said it was very good. There was an elevated dignity that the animal kingdom does not have. And that is where we get this concept of us being image bearers of God. But what does that mean economically? God was creative, right? He's right. the creator. God was innovative. He did it out of nothing. He had this incredible design. He made the world with complexity and brilliance, so much so that he even subjectively evaluated and appreciated his own work. And, and God was productive. So I look at mankind today as this creature that was made by God to be creative, innovative, and productive because God is. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't believe those things, it totally changes what I believe about economics. Mm -hmm. I would be very content. There may be other arguments against it, but out of the least creational truth, I'd be content to say, oh, maybe half of the world is supposed to be productive and half of the world is supposed to be unproductive. But the reason I can't accept that is not merely because I don't like the welfare state. It's not merely because I don't want to work for someone else to get the fruit of my labor. I happen to agree with both those things, but they're not my primary argument. My primary argument is it's unfair to those people. Mm. They're made to be productive. They deserve the existential meaning and creative value that comes out of being and operating in God's created order. So you believe that human wow. beings were made to be creative, innovative, and productive. So you're wow. clearly not a socialist. <laughs> no, but I'm not a socialist because of that reason. Mm -hmm. Right? Like mm -hmm. when people say you can't afford socialism, I totally agree. But I think that's a secondary argument that the unaffordability yeah. of socialism takes a backseat to the anthropological flaw of socialism. Socialism violates God's created order. Right. Yeah, and we'll feel the consequences economically by uh, uh, by yeah. holding on to those presuppositions and living accordingly. Yeah. That's powerful. It's, it, this is what I just love so much. You'd think um, he was raised by Greg Bonson or yeah, something. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> well, I, just, I just love it. That this, this is the kind of stuff that Christians need to be hearing and they need to be thinking about. I encourage everybody yeah. to make sure you take that course. The fact that Dave is giving it away for free is 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 really a gift. And, uh, I, you know, oftentimes I think people will you know, just, just the way we sort of operate is we think, well, that's a free thing. It must not be very valuable. Well, it's like, you know, so I try to express when we talk about Bonson to you, it's like, yeah, it's free. You could take it for free, but uh, this, this came with a lot of cost and it's, yeah. it, it's extremely, well, extremely valuable. It'll that's change, a great it'll point. Change, it'll change your life. Sorry. It's a great point because, you know, going, pl just playing off of your thing about socialism, like everyone thinks that things are free and socialism, you know, right. This course that David's offering is free to everyone, but somebody paid for it. Yeah. 
That's his right. name may start with David and end with Bonson, but <laughs> somebody paid for it. That's right. You know, yeah. it's not it's not totally free. Like there, it costs somebody something. Okay, so that's exactly right. So uh, David, creative, innovative, productive. What does that do economically? Like let's sort of like let's let's branch out from there. So there's the, there's a foundation. It's creation. It's that there's a creator, created or uh, creation distinction, and God has a purpose in humanity, and He has certain principles we're supposed to live according to in His world. And and let's move out from there. How does that then begin to uh, move its way out into the area of economics and economic blessing? Well, I think that when you said uh, that he was created for the purpose, the next step is evaluating what is that purpose? What is that telos? And because the creation account of Genesis 1 takes place before the fall, um, we are left with a really sound repudiation of one of the worst theological arguments ever concocted, which is that work is a curse. Work and the toils from labor that are talked about after um, the fall and the, the curse given to Adam um, had nothing to do with God creating us with a purpose to be productive in work. God created Adam and Eve in a state of vulnerability in the garden. There was still scarcity. There were not unlimited animals. There were not unlimited mm. fruits. There were not unlimited vegetation. The, it, the, mankind was made in a position of vulnerability, but it did not yet morally sin. It was, had the blessing of cultivating the resources God had given. And when you guys look forward, we're sitting here on camera right now, and there's a lot of technology. I'm looking out at the Pacific Ocean, and there's a lot of buildings around me. There isn't a single thing I'm looking at that didn't come from matter, material, right. that was made back at Garden of Eden. Right. There, we've made no new matter, no new raw material, uh, natural resources since creation. All that's happened is mankind's ideas, that innovation, that co-creating with God as an image bearer of him has been added to the raw material. We have taken ideas and, and added them to the natural created order in a way that has created untold blessings throughout civilization. Why has it done so? Because mankind operating in its own self-interest can meet the needs of humanity. It can create a virtuous cycle. I can do better for myself and my family by building a good or service that others can benefit from. This is where we get the early foundations of a market economy. And um, it comes naturally. A market doesn't have to be imposed. It doesn't have to be created by the state. All it takes is two people to start talking and you have a market. Okay, and yeah. this to me has got to be understood because we like to think of it. The most unfortunate thing that's happened is a great popularity of I hate the term, but capitalism that is not rooted to this understanding. And so a sort of Randian belief system that rightly points out that markets generate better results. But it's not merely that they generate better results, that they're more efficient allocators of capital. The next step by rooting what we believe out of creation is understanding that it does so with an understanding of the human person being in cooperation with others. And so throughout history, you had sort of pre-economic um, understandings, Aristotle, Aquinas, uh, in between them, Augustine was particularly strong here. But as we now have systematized schools of economics in the last 250 years, 
There is absolutely no justification for us secularizing it, rationalizing it as if it were a merely pragmatic thing, when in fact the spiritual foundation of how mankind interacts with one another, why we care for our own resources, provide for our family, and seek to, all of the things, the blessings we enjoy came about because of people blessing other people with an economic interest. That's, and, and there's no reason to shy away from this. It's deeply rooted in scripture. Very good. Uh, man, that's good. I was going to say, we talked about this last week on the show. You, you didn't hear this, but th- this is reminding me of the faithful, God-fearing men that founded our nation. And uh, so remember, I talked about this last week a little bit. I was listening to this series on Canon Plus about the war for independence, and uh, Steve Wilkins was saying that um, the standard of living for Americans at the time of the war was five times greater than that of those from England. And I was like, what? How is that possible? But it's because of what Dave was talking about. Because they came over with that mindset. Uh, you know, everything you just said, that was their mindset, you know, and 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 they didn't have a tyrannical government overseeing them, telling them how to do everything. Um, which is what led to the <laughs> war for independence because yeah. they were telling them you're going to do these taxes and all that stuff. But anyways, it just, it just reminded me of that. That's such an awesome point. And that's what our nation was founded on and how far we've gotten from that in that time frame is really sad. So, but. David, what are some of the consequences, though? So you're giving this course, you're explaining all these foundations that will, will reap re- reward and, and turn into economic blessings because we're... Uh, living in the world the way that God intended for us to live in it. But what are some of the consequences? So we've, we, we throw all that off. We throw off that created order, the creator-creation uh, distinction, the purpose of man, men and women, is, is, is thrown aside. And so what are the consequences? And sort of like, I guess, maybe even tie that into some of the things we're seeing today, uh, economic consequences uh, in abandoning that perspective of the world and mankind. Well, I think that... Um... What Karl Marx uh, did not introduce a dangerous political philosophy um, first. He, intru- he started with a very aberrant philosophy that had tremendous economic implications that gave birth to Leninism. And the great error that we see is in something we call the labor theory of value, Marx didn't believe that there was dignity for mankind in work. He thought it was dehumanizing. Marx believed that mankind was fundamentally in a class struggle with capital, that uh, there was an embedded oppression where God's word tells us something fundamentally different. However, um, if we don't want to use something as extreme as 19th century Marxism and 20th century Leninism, Keynesianism is the sort of status quo economic worldview of the last 80 years in American life. And it's rooted in something um, that is prima facie, very acceptable to most people. And that is that you need, for economic activity, you need a lot of consumption. The more people are spending and buying, the better things go. And there's obviously a certain logic to the idea that, well, yeah, if someone's buying something, there's an economic transaction, and that sounds like a good thing. Um, But he gets the chicken or egg wrong because he lacks the theology that economics does not start with consumption. It starts with production. And this is a theological argument that immediately goes into an economic benefit. I can't consume anything unless I have first produced. 
I don't have the wherewithal to buy something unless I first worked to have the money to buy it. Mm. And I can't consume anything unless someone else produced it. Mm. So I need two parts production, my production and someone else's, to get one part consumption. You say, well, how is this relevant in today's economic debate? But see, today, all policymakers immediately default to, we just need get, to get people to start spending money. But my attitude is, no, you need to get people to start producing goods and services to meet the needs of humanity. Yeah. And guess what happens? Then we will build demand and we will build a market. People will not produce things that no one cares about because we're rational actors created with a purpose. And we, there will be trial and error. There'll be risk taking. There will be some failures, some successes, but it will thrive a sort of civilizational growth. Production first is a classical economic principle. It's the root of supply side economics. We think of it as tax policy and all that good Reaganite stuff. I agree with all of it, but it started in the Garden of Eden. It started with this notion that mankind was made to be a producer. So we can defeat Marxism and Keynesianism as economic worldviews, all with a better understanding of economic truth that we derive from scripture. That's powerful stuff. That's you you mentioned, uh, well, uh, on Fox Business, that recent clip, the one I played at the beginning of the show, you you were sort of, well, you were resisting the idea of this doomsdayism, yeah, this doomsday way of thinking. And uh, you, you know, I think you rightly point to the fact that it's not just, you know, secularists and unbelievers who are, who are saying that, but you also have, you know, people who are professing believers, you know, who are talking about nothing but yeah. collapse and doomsdayism. Why, why is it important for you to resist that and to speak against it? For what reason? Yeah, you know, um, Pastor Doug Wilson and I started some correspondence about a year and a half ago, just privately between the two of us about this very subject. And we were talking about some of the sociology of a lot of Christians that want to kind of buy some gold and hide away and stock things and just sort of take a survivalist mentality. And I think it is somewhat doomsdayist. Um, and I think it is uh, somewhat retreatist, but we were talking about where it comes from, sometimes theologically, but mo economically and whatnot. And, and we, we ended up taking the correspondence, the, the Canon Press did, and they just took it and, and put it into a book form that they sell at Canon Press called Misinflation. And my underlying thesis is that when people give into a doomsday mentality, usually for uh, some benefit of retreat. Now, we could be talking about dispensationalists who don't want to engage in the culture, or we could be talking about an Anabaptist view of cultural engagement, and we could even be talking about people who claim to be post-millennialists that just feel more comfortable hiding in the hills somewhere. But also on a micro level, I think a lot of people in their own lives and families and situations take comfort in being doomsdayists. They don't have to deal with the difficulties in their marriage if they just assume all marriages are doomed anyways. They don't have to deal mm. with uh, pains in their relationships, with struggles with their jobs. You know, right, right now, I think about half of my frustration in cancel culture is with the employers doing the canceling and forcing people into an HR Gestapo. But half of my frustration is with the Christians that won't stop whining about it. Just fight back. Just mm. do something. Deal with it. Formulate a strategy. Get wise. Get bold. I, 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 that could mean different things in different situations. I don't have all the answers in this 10 seconds, 
But I do know that whining about it, retreating, assuming all is lost, you know, the big bad so-and-so has got us beat, it isn't Christian. And by the way, as I said to Charles Payne, it, the, the entire testimony of history says otherwise. And so I simply reject any uh, fatalistic sociology as much as I reject a fatalistic theology. Thank you for that. So let's say this, David, if you had, that's good. If you had 24 hours to be president, can we arrange that? <laughs> uh, although the president's not, not supposed to have this much power, but let's just pretend in a world where you could actually change and transform things uh, in a righteous way or a solid way as a leader, what would you say <clears throat> in your 24 hours you needed to immediately do to try to offer some solid course correction corrections economically? Uh, what would you say? Like, how, what would you say? These, these things need to go right away and we need to start doing these things. Yeah, I do totally appreciate and understand what you really mean by the question. I think the problem with that kind of king for a day mentality is um, that it actually is not the way any really good change would ever come because we don't believe in a sort of messianic view of the presidency. Right. And I know you, you weren't getting at that, but my point is it's tough because my answer frustrates people because the things I believe can and will transform society are long-term things. They won't happen immediately. I look at the row overturn, the 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 um, overturning of row and the forty years or so of legal effort and incremental um, uh, uh, tasks that went into that. The processes of building up a bench of 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 judges, of lawyers, of, of people throughout the legal infrastructure that adopted uh, a Christian worldview, being put into a position that we were ready, and it, and it frustrated a lot of people. It took a long time. But um, I think that economically we have to do that. There's no reason that the right has to continue accepting neo-Keynesians going on to the Federal Reserve Board. But in fairness to the right, they don't know where else to go. They don't. There isn't any kind of cohesive, coherent development of solid economic thought. And so I desperately want to see that take place, but I think it'll take just as it took Federalist Society and other groups 30, 40 years to, to gain an upper hand in the in the legal uh, right to life. I think that the um, economic side is going to take a long time. The best thing a president could do, let's say it's not 24 hours, but they get, you know, 24 months would be what Calvin Coolidge did is to just try to have a more humble view of the presidency. Uh, it's one of my mm. big criticisms of, of a lot of the things with the prior president is even though the policies I agreed with so much more than I agree with the policies of the Biden administration, both presidencies are rooted in this idea of an imperial presidency, mm -hmm. a really top heavy, a lot of executive orders and a lot of I hereby order people not to trade with China and this kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of things that need to happen. But none of them should happen because I hereby order anything. Right no matter how much I like or dislike the president. Right. Hmm. What are some good principles that we would want to try to have people adopt economically to see some solid blessing and transformation? Like it, it, it's going to start, obviously the, the Jesus of the kingdom of God uh, spreads like a mustard seed and grows like a mustard seed into a tree and like leaven in a lump of dough. So what's some of that leaven economically you would need to spread? Yeah. You, you know, you know what I love is the 10th commandment on this one. It's low hanging fruit for the church. 
So if I were talking to pastors, which, which I do a lot, Charlie Kirk had me give a message to a bunch of evangelical pastors in San Diego a couple weeks ago, and they don't know this stuff at all. And I'm pleading with them to start, you know, I'm not buying into uh, a theology of envy from their pulpits. But um, just if I'm talking to, to laymen, thou shalt not covet is a profoundly spiritual and yep. economic message. Uh, yes. And class struggle, uh, and it comes from from uh, covetousness. Yeah. Ultimately, I believe that we move the needle when we accept our lot as producers, creators, and innovators. And when we start talking about things like income inequality, wealth inequality, I want people to remember this. If I divided up all the money in the world, all the real estate, stocks, bonds, cash, gold, whatever, all the capital stock of the world evenly, by seven and a half billion people right now. So we start off the next second with everybody with perfect wealth equality. We would have wealth inequality by the time I got a cup of coffee mm -hmm. because we have different tastes, we have different appetites, we have different work ethics. The, we're gonna subjectively value different goods and services in different ways. Our goal is not wealth equality. Our goal is human flourishing. It's people having a material and spiritual abundance that comes from peace, joy, harmony, the way God designed it to be. That's the economic message that we can all take away. It doesn't require Congress, doesn't require the Fed. Right. We have to stop being so envious of others. That's beautifully done, man. <laughs> so the, we can heal the world economically at a start, obviously. You need peace with God, yeah. but you need to repent of your covetousness. That's the issue. Sounds like and that's the an economic. That's an. Yeah. I love how David puts it. That's yeah. an economic issue. Yeah. Like repenting <sighs> of coveting is is an economic issue. That's not yours. Make right. something yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's basically it. Make your own and stuff. It's good. Uh, okay. Perfect. All right. So, but, but you know what? If I can, Jeff, I not only think maybe it's make your own stuff. It's don't resent the other person yeah. who made it. Right. Exactly. Make I your mean, own may, stuff. Maybe. May, I can't go make a Tesla. I don't like think my response to Elon Musk wealth is for me to go make my own Tesla. But what I could do is not be mad at him. <laughs> just, just enjoy the Tesla. <laughs> just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're there's uh, touching on contentment there, yeah, which you... I think has a lot to do. You already mentioned Doug Wilson, so I'll mention his wife, Nancy. But she, she t talked about how like the most faithful thing she could do that day is do the dishes. And then she was like, oh, wait, not just do the dishes, do them cheerfully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it, it, downtown Disney. What's the name of that place that makes the crazy milkshakes downtown Disney? It's like, it's black something they do it's like crazy it's like a huge cup of the like, like a, a donut they'll put like a, a whole slice no, they'll put like there. a whole slice of a cake and yeah. like you know yeah. 10 pounds of whipped cream it's like i'm not mad at you for that i'm just gonna enjoy it <laughs> you know what i'm saying you did something good yeah like you know uh it's funny that's where your mind went yeah i'm just right thinking about people doing things well i'm like right that to the was, diabetes shake that just was done well Ice cream? Not that's Jeff. A, that's not a milkshake you. to the glory of God. What are you talking about? That's what we should be doing. We don't yeah. need, you know, I mean, In-N-Out does make some good milkshakes, decent, but we don't need those kind of milkshakes. Yeah. We need Chick more Chick innovative Clearly superior. Chick-fil-A How did this conversation most... devolve so fast? Well, we're talking about being creative, <laughs> innovative, right? And uh, I, there's an example of like a God-glorifying creative independent. Uh, innovative yeah. enter enterprise. Mm -hmm. You could do it. Hey, with Leonard sure. Reed. Leonard Reed used a pencil that cost two cents sixty years ago 
to make the point of how if it wasn't for a market economy, every pencil would cost us about three or four million dollars to make. Right. And if you want to use a milkshake to get to the same place, I promise you, you could. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's a good, it's a valid point. It's a very, very valid point. So, okay, so David, where do people go to start the course? And and by the way, uh, start the course, but also what age levels would be good to start engaging? Yeah, yeah. there's a little FAQ at the website that addresses some of that because it's tough. You know, there's a, there's a lot of homeschoolers that are real bright. And, and I designed the course for juniors and seniors in high school, which automatically means about 90% of adults probably need to be taking it too. Right. Um, <laughs> But then I think there's some eighth graders out there. You know, each parent's going to know their their own kid's capacity. Um, of the over 3,000 people that have enrolled to take the class in the first uh, 10 days that it's been out, we have a, a lot of homeschool students, Christian schools, classical schools. There's a ton of adults that have just kind of signed up to take it for their own self-interest. And so even though I designed it and taught it, to juniors and seniors in high school at a, a Christian school program I started here in Newport Beach. Um, I think that some people could stretch it down into the eighth grade level. There's 30 lectures. There's a full syllabus uh, for each class with hot links to reading and other videos and things that go with the lecture. All the quizzes and essay prompts and a final exam Fantastic. are provided and ultimately wow. an answer key for mm -hmm. all of it. So. It's meant to be kind of a self-contained semester-long course on an introduction wow. to economics, and and I would I would say that um, uh, age group uh, other than like elementary school, right. um, it, it could very well be a pretty broad uh, application. Hmm. Well, I know what Stellar's doing this year. He just got an, an additional class added. Yeah. Yep. I might have to. I already signed up for it. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Just right while we were talking, did you? Yeah, just now. Made your free account. <laughs> the one confusing thing with you guys, with the Bonson U uh, awesomeness that you have going on is that this is at Bonson.com, and you have the Bonson U at a different URL, right? Uh, with dad stuff? Yeah, I think that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, yeah. I'm not on the tech side, David, so I'm not sure. I think well, so. I, where, where basically Bonson.com is my website, and that's where this economics course is to be found. Oh, that's why uh, we couldn't but, get that domain name. Thanks a lot, David. Hey, I had to buy it. I had to buy it from somebody. Yeah. Did you really? I don't think you would have paid what I paid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I should put a link up to the Bonson U stuff that you guys are doing for the, the smart Bonson um, from, from my website. That would be good. Yeah, that would be Sweet. good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, that'd be awesome. This is fantastic. I'm grateful for this oh, stuff. Oh, man, this, and is this is amazing. That's how the world's going to change. Yeah. Through, through truth. Yeah. Foundations of, of God's word. That's how it's going to take place. And this is, uh, thank you for the investment, David. Appreciate yeah. it very, very much, man. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me on. It's good good seeing you guys. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for your time today. Wonderful. You fantastic. know where you can get more of that? What? ReformCon. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. Yes. Wait a tick. Yeah. Coming up. Soon. Well, we're two months away now. Reformation Day weekend, yeah, we end are. of October, here in the uh, Phoenix Valley. The uh, we're doing Reform Con. It is going to be a blast. We have David. David Bonson is coming to do Reform Con with us. So the the title of the conference is By This Standard. And so what we do, what we have is we have we have Dr. Joe Boot. We have James White. We have Toby Sumter. We have David Bonson. We have Andrew Sandlin. Uh, I'm doing some talking, uh, and it's not just a, a, a conference. It's, it's not a church service. It's a, it's a conference. Not just a conference with solid teaching, sort of developing the worldview, all that stuff, the Word of God as the reference point for all of life, every area of life, whether it's economics, whether it's education, whether it's the arts, the sciences, sports, 
all of that government. Uh, that, that that's what we're talking about. But we're we're doing this conference where there's gonna be a lot of great fellowship after party. There's gonna be actually sort of mini performances like scattered throughout the conference in terms of uh, you know like David, uh, you know like David not just talking, but we want to also be able to express like, this is what it looks like to apply this to the world of economics. And uh, we're going to have something on the arts. We're going to have something on sports, all that stuff. So once you guys really enjoy yourselves, it is coming up very, very soon. Limited uh, seating. Uh, once it's full, it's full. Uh, reformcon.org yeah. is where you go to get your tickets. David's going to be there. You'll be able to say hi to him and if us. We did, if we didn't just sell a few tickets after that, you're you crazy. guys weren't listening. Something's wrong. You can make. <laughs> they're the, they're like, can, I'm getting this free course. I don't need to come to. Yeah, you can make the drive. All right, you can make the drive. Whoops. You can make it out. Uh, so let's uh, let's fill out those seats, guys. Reformcon.org. David will be there. David, thanks again, brother, for being on today. Thanks so much, guys. Absolutely, thanks, bro. That's fantastic. So, and this is this is important because I, I think I appreciate what David's doing here so much because, you know, there's this there's this um, there's this deposit we have of literature and work that's been done over centuries in the area of economics. So for example, I mean, you've got like Rush Dooney did a lot of stuff in biblical law about economics, uh, but that is just, I mean, piles and piles and piles of pages and, and text. a lifetime's worth of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> and you know, whether uh, Dr. Bonson did stuff on this or even the, the late Gary, uh, Gary North did stuff on mm-hmm. economics, it's just a lot to plow through and it's a, it, you know, it's a broad field. And so you, you're like, okay, who can I trust? First of all, theologically, if it's going to yeah. do a good job of instructing me, and then where do I start? Yeah. That's difficult, and but it's so it's so vitally important, and it's an area that we just sort of neglect. So I appreciate it very, very much that David's done something like this. It's a gift to the church. Oh, totally. Seriously, teach your yeah. kids, teach adults. Yeah. Here's how here's how we 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 think about these things, and it's just done for you for free. This is crazy, you guys. Go sign up, get it. You know how like his dad was obviously a super genius when it came to philosophy sometimes you're like listen to some of the stuff and you're like what i don't know what he's talking about right now you gotta listen to the lecture 16 uh, times that's how david is about economics yeah have you listened to some of this stuff on canon plus yeah i've listened to david yeah. there's stuff yeah. where i'm like i have no idea what he's talking about and it's not it's just because he he's so brilliant when it comes to economics and it's a foreign world to me and i'm just like i don't even know what he's saying right now right so he's my point is he's really smart. Well, your point your point is is he's like his dad. Yeah. And so what you're getting is gold, but uh, and or silver. It what you're getting is real value, and uh, silver is really hard to mine for. Uh, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. It takes you need that intro course. Labor. Uh, you could die. <laughs> uh, you know, trying to get you know mine for silver. People have lots. I mean, of his stuff literally could lead to silver. Yeah. Yeah. No. For sure. Yeah. yeah for real. For real. Uh, real, that's real. exactly. Uh, His next course is uh, treasure hunting. Yeah, it's with David Bunsen. It's labor. And people, no people. Okay, like let's compare is the there, two. Because is that a th- no. <laughs> you're making a good point. You know, people have asked at times, like, uh, you know, uh, just talk about his dad. They'll talk about Greg, and they'll be like, you know, some of the stuff he goes into. It's like I don't understand what he's talking about. And like, and they're like, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, that's because um, I listened to that lecture you're referring to mm-hmm. about 25 times. Yeah, because I right, did. I right. knew I knew it was something good, and I was trying to grapple with it, and it was foreign to me. And so I just listened listened to it again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Listen to it while you're working out. Listen to it the next day while you're getting a cup of coffee. Listen to it while you're driving down the street, and ev- eventually that point connects and you begin to it just sort of everything opens up and you go okay i get it and that is the center of everything yeah and uh and and so do it invest yourself in it it matters a lot and i'm super thankful that this is on the level uh like he said like he's thinking like you know 
junior that level. I because, probably need the junior because he's right. That's the vast majority <laughs> of America. Yes. He's just signing up for it. So yeah, that's the vast majority of Americans. Like I was watching this uh, this clip 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 came up today in a, a, a reel, and it was uh, somebody on the street asking like the average American. Just simple questions oh, yeah. like which uh, which countries border America? How many states are the United States of America? Uh, what's the capital of the United States? Just questions like that, and and the answers were scary, and these were like you know grown people. Oh, they yeah. were they were answers brought to you by government schools, exactly. education. <laughs> exactly. So what I was say. We, David, we appreciate you bringing it down to our level. Is what we're saying. <laughs> so yeah. All right, ReformCon guys. Dot org. Get your tickets. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, thank you guys for all watching the show today. Make sure you share it. Let people know. Get people excited about uh, a biblical worldview and uh, economics. Uh, make sure that you go to endabortionnow.com. Sign your church up. Go out. Save some lives with us. Yes, it's still happening all across the country. Uh, we need the church involved to save lives. But also, we have a number of states coming up right now that we're working in with bills of equal protection and abolition. And so those are coming up very, very soon. So we need your support. Sign your church up so you can be a part of the coalition with us. And uh, please give, please, please give, because it's not over, uh, not by a long shot. And uh, we have a lot of work to do, and we have so much coming up. So we need you to partner with us in ministry. Go to endabortionnow.com. Give there for the work. Uh, we have so much to announce coming soon. The states that we're working in, the legislators you need to be supporting and praying for. Uh, so be in prayer for us, be yes. in prayer for the work, and go please give at endabortionnow.com. Uh, you'll help to save lives and with us uh, abolish uh, this great evil. So yes. that is uh, Luke the Bear. Peace out. And that is Joy the Girl. See ya. And uh, we'll catch you next time right here on Apologia Radio. ApologiaStudios.com is where you guys go. Sign up for all access. We'll catch you guys next week. No.